The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 0111911. Thank you, Craig. Uh, 506 on this Thursday, February 11th, 2021. Again, I just want to repeat the top local story of the afternoon of the day, I suspect. Paul Flores, who is, in my opinion, the primary suspect in the disappearance of Kristen Smart back in 1996. He was arrested this morning on a weapons charge in Southern California. Uh, Caspi Y is reporting that LAPD arrested... Flores around 9.45 a.m. today at Ranchos Palo Verdes on suspicion of being a felon in possession of a firearm. Flores is uh, 44. He's had a previous felony DUI conviction. So this is not related to the Kristen Smart case, but it's yet another chapter. So uh, we'll keep you in the loop. And hope for the best. Only halfway through the broadcast today, still to come, uh, Jason. Jason Ornalis, the host of uh, Motormouths, heard every Saturday morning on this broadcast, will join us at 6.05. Let's talk about General Motors. They said they were to phase out all gas-powered gas, uh, gas-powered cars and trucks, excuse me, and sell only vehicles that have zero tailpipe emissions by 2035. Obviously, a seismic shift in the community. Uh, let's hear from uh, Jason, and we'll hear from you. This hour, always good to be in a conversation with Carl Beck. I asked him what he wanted to talk about. He wants to talk about the future. So I predict that's what our topic will be as we welcome Carl back to the show. Hey, Carl. Hey, how's it going, Dave? Well, good, sir. And well, your, your topic, uh, when I'm done with the next person with Jason, will be the same thing. It'll be an extension of what we're talking about. Because right. we'll be talking some about that, but not as much as him. We've got other things in the future to talk about. Why did you want to talk about this? Well, because everybody seems to be mired in what's happening right now on the TV with uh, certain things that we're not going to talk about. And um, with the the coronavirus and with the, the political situation and what have you, everybody is really deep into the present. And they're starting, and as people have to stay home more, People are becoming despondent, I find, and I I hear people talking about that. And I I think one of the things that might help them get out of that is to actually think about the future. I very rarely get depressed because, as far as I'm concerned, my future is so bright, I need to wear sunglasses (laughs) all the time. Well, that kind of answers my next question. Are you optimistic about the future? It sounds like you are. Oh, yes, I am very, very optimistic. I've been part of the future all my life. <laughs> and uh, to give you an idea, back in uh, 1985, um, a guy did a, a documentary for PBS uh, down in uh, um, San Diego where I was a computer marketing manager for Radio Shack. And he came in to talk to me about computers and what computers were doing. And, and I got talking about where computers were going and how computers were going to change the world. 
and what they were going to do to medicine and to entertainment, to games, to movies, to, to every aspect of life. And as I talked about each of those, they listened. And then it turned out he changed his entire show, and what he did was he went out to doctors, and he said, you know, this guy in the computer says that, that this is going to happen because of computers in your field. And they went, oh, yeah, that's starting to happen now. And they did the same thing for all the different fields. And I became the voiceover as I talked about what was going to happen. And then at the end, he said, so what's going to be the future for computers? This was 1985, and in those days, there was a thing called the, the Cray One or the Cray, the Cray Computer. It was a, a, uh, a big, giant room full of computers that was super fast and cooled with nitrogen and was the ultimate in computing. And I said, in, in less than 15 years, you'll be able to get the equivalent of that Cray Computer that will sit on your desk and cost less than $1,500. It only took 10 years. Yeah. And we were there. Your smartphone has more computing power than what they used to put a man on the moon. That's pretty mind-boggling when you think about it, Carl. It is. And then when you think about, okay, if that's true, then where are we going to be in 40 years? Because, you know, I, and the other thing that I, I realized, because um, I've been watching a, a show, and I recommend it to everybody. It, it, it's called uh, Hot, in, Hot in Cleveland. Hot in Cleveland. Yeah. And it's got Betty White in it. And I'll tell you, it's an interesting thing. Uh, in our lifetimes, we're the first, uh, you and I are part of the first television generation. We were born in 53. Television had been around for a few years, but it was around all of our lives and was just normal for us to see television. Sure. But television itself was uh, invented in, in, like, 27. It didn't really become something out there that everybody had. In 49, there were only like 44,000 TV sets. Uh, 47, there were 44,000 television sets in America in 1947. By 1960, almost everybody had one. But in 1953, when you and I were born, Betty White already had her own television show. That's right. And she's still here. Yeah. 99 That's how years recent old, yeah. that is. Man. So but we've gone from that black and white to an 8K high-definition TV that looks better than reality. But do you think our best days are ahead of us, Carl, as a, as a culture? Well, mine are. I'm not sure about yours, Dave. Yeah, yeah. But, as a, <laughs> but, as a, but as a culture, I'm going to ignore that. As a culture, do you think our, yeah, I, our best I think days so. are ahead? I, I think we're, we're, we're getting better. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny. Even, even old technology it's changed in ways very subtly that people don't realize and don't look at. We're on the radio. Now, KVEC has been on since 1937. Yes, sir. It, it's still the same technology as far as putting the radio wave up a tower and then broadcasting it out. That hasn't changed. The basics of radio haven't changed. But I was just listening to you on my computer. Yeah. And we can get podcasts. And if you're in a home, you can, and you have an Alexis or my Google, you can go, "Hey, Alexis, play KVEC." Right. Yeah, but you're talking. But you're talking about the technology. I guess I'm looking for the bigger overall picture. You think our best days are ahead of us? Yes, and here, here's the idea. Think about this. 150 years ago, there were no weekends. <laughs> there was not a 40-hour work week. People struggled to, to, to get enough food on the table. People worked 12 hours 
you know, seven days a week. Uh, I mean, it was a hard struggle to make a living 150 years ago. And there was very little leisure time. Now, because of technology and, and the technology that came across, we have a lot of leisure time. We have time to go out and do more things. And our lives are actually better for that. We're living longer because of it. And we should be happier. We should be fulfilled. Everything, all of the information we might want on any subject is at our fingertips. We can learn whatever we want. We don't have to go to college to learn something. You only need to go to college if you want a degree in it to, to get a job in it. If you just want to learn it for yourself, you can learn it. And it doesn't cost you anything. Carl, back on this broadcast, looking into the future. We'll break away. We'll come back. I'm going to ask Carl to make some specific predictions. I'd stick around for that. I'm Dave Congleton on AM 920 FM 96.5 News Talk, KVEC. You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Always good to be in conversation with Carl Beck, who uh, wants to look at the future and wants to make some predictions, specifically in the areas of medicine, entertainment, and technology. And as we establish in the first segment, Carl is upbeat and positive about the future. The light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train. All right, so, Carl, give us a sense. Make a prediction for us. What do you think is on the horizon? All right, well, let's take medicine. So we're going to take a couple of technologies, put it together. All of what I'm talking about now exists as far as technology-wise. They could do it right now. Uh, but I'm going to talk about a dock in the box. Now, you, you and I are old enough to remember when there used to be phone booths in places, right? Yep. All right. So I want you to imagine you go into a Walmart, and up towards the front of the store, maybe there's three things that look kind of like phone booths. You go into it, and you close the door. Um, if you have uh, medical insurance, you put it in your medical insurance card. If you don't, you put in a credit card. And then uh, somebody appears on the screen. They ask you what's going on. You tell them you're not feeling well. They ask you to put your arm. You know how the, uh, the, the blood pressure machines in the stores used to be? Yeah. Yeah. You put your arm in a thing kind of like that, and another thing goes around your wrist. Uh, it takes an EKG, it uh, checks your heart rate, your oxygen levels, your temperature. Uh, it's got an array of sensors that, that look at you. Uh, the uh, person on the screen is asking you questions. Uh, when you're all done, uh, it writes your prescription and it pops out of the bottom, and you take that over to the pharmacy. Now, as you leave, you close the door. The door closes automatically, actually, behind you. Uh, it sanitizes itself with some sanitizer and some infrared light, and then it's ready for the next person. We call it a dock in the box. Telemedicine. Telemedicine. Telemedicine that's, that's taken to the level that it makes it inexpensive because it's used. I mean, the doctors can be in a lot of different places, but... It has all of the sensors because right now you can buy a watch for for about four hundred dollars. That that watch will run EKGs. It'll tell you if you have sleep apnea. It, it measures your your um, 
heart rate, your temperature, your oxygen levels, all of the vital information that a doctor would need to know if you have a problem. You can get that watch now. Uh, my wife, I bought her uh, because she has uh, uh, AFib. I bought her a, an EKG that hooks up to her uh, telephone by Bluetooth. Uh, she just puts her two fingers from both hands onto the, the pad, and it runs a medical-grade e- EKG hmm. and tells her she has a problem. All right. So give me a prediction, so, give me a prediction for entertainment. Entertainment. Well, entertainment is interesting because entertainment, uh, including television and movies, but movies especially, you may have noted that you're seeing more and more computer-generated people in movies. Yes. For instance, in the Star Wars movie, uh, the uh, the one uh, villain was completely computer-generated based on somebody, an actor who was dead. So as they get better at that technology, as computers get better at, at rendering that, you will see a movie within the next 20 years. It'll be a new movie. Uh, but it'll be starring John Wayne, Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, James Cagney. Well, that, All of those yeah. actors can come back well, in uh, digital form, yeah. and you won't know the difference. Let me go to Craig, because, Craig, we just saw that article. It was James Dean. Yeah. They're putting him in a new movie. They yeah. were going to put in Elvis, but El- the Elvis estate would not give them the permission. But the James yeah. Dean estate did. And yeah. James Dean is going to be starring in a new movie. Yeah, right, right, Craig. It's, it's not even the future; yeah. it's right now. But that techno, whatever that technology is, right now, it'll look a little bit odd. Yeah, just yeah. like you know, three D movies did back in the in the seventies when we were kids. Yeah, sixties. They used to put three D movies out. They didn't look quite as good as they do now. But now they're coming. But you're going to see because Hollywood can pay these estates a lot less than they'd have to pay real actors. Yeah. You're going to see a lot more content with uh, dead people entertaining us. I'm trying to remember what that movie was, Craig. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name. And yeah. uh, he was referencing the Grand Moff Tarkin in um, Rogue One. The actor who did had that part, very iconic, uh, died many many years ago but they brought his character back as him and it was like the first time i've seen a real person digitized who had passed away as a character yeah but james yep. james dean who i think we can all agree is pretty iconic is going to be in a new movie yeah i think well, it's kind of creepy think, think about this dave let's say um we get an interactive movie so it's on your smart tv it's interactive and um it's it's a nice movie, but you get to choose who stars in it. Who do you like? Uh, again, you have to deal with the estates and copyright. Yeah, but and, they would they yeah. would have already paid the estates, yeah. so that that you can decide in this movie that you're getting ready to watch whether you want the lead actor to be Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, or yeah. John Wayne. Yeah. What about, you get to choose. What about movie theaters themselves, Carl? I think the movie theater of the future is going to be totally different than what we experience now. It, it probably will. Uh, I've fully expected that eventually we are going to get um, holograms to the point 
what I've always thought we would get to eventually is is 3D laser hologram movies where you take um, like a big block of, of silicone or something in the middle, clear, and you project a 3D hologram image into it. And it's like theater in the round. And you can sit around it. And depending on where you're sitting, so a battle scene would be different as far as what you would see depending on where you were in the theater. Yeah. Well, even because it would be real 3D. Even the idea of just staying at home and enjoying the movie on your big screen TV and your state-of-the-art sound system, as opposed to going to a traditional movie theater and only doing that for special occasion movies. Well, yeah, but why? Why just special occasions? Because the fact of the matter is, is that the 8K TVs, which I've seen. Uh, the high-end 8K TVs actually have a refresh rate and enough pixels that they make a, uh, an image that is more than your eyes can see. It looks better than reality. Hmm. And and the, the the fact is that they can they can put that out and and have a movie and you can have an 85 inch TV in your living room and why go to the movies? Why why sit in the movies and listen to some knucklehead behind you hooping and hollering and screaming in all the wrong places? And you're afraid to tell him because he's laughing at jokes that aren't jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And we've all been there in theaters where we, we, we didn't really like who we were seeing the movie with. This, this Latest uh, stay-at-home thing that we're in the middle of has actually sped up that technology. I think the so. idea yeah. of making movies not for theaters, but for HBO Max and for people to rent at home. Well, that's what we're seeing now. Not, they can make enough money that way. HBO Max, all their major releases for 2021, all the major studios, they're yep. going to HBO Max. Yep. Mm. Carl, back yeah. on this broadcast, uh, predicting the future. Um, Sandy and Cayucas on the Stolberg line, how wonderful it is that Carl is so positive that he hasn't had to lose a business, a friend, or a relative who's died from COVID. Yikes. Well, no, I, I must say I, I have not lost somebody who, who's died of COVID. Over the, the 68 years of my life, I have lost many people who have died, who I loved, who were my friends and relatives. Um, I've lost many a job. I was fairly optimistic while I was living on a picnic bench homeless for six months uh, some 30-something years ago. So it's not a matter of what's happening to you. It's a matter of how you view your future. Carl Beck. Carl entirely Beck. up to you. Here comes the news. Carl Beck on this broadcast, predicting the future. We'll come back and welcome your phone calls and your predictions as well. We're live. We're local. This is Hometown Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Congleton. We are looking into the future, courtesy of our guest, Mr. Carl Beck, who sounds uh, pretty optimistic and hopeful for what lies ahead. You want to join us? Sure, please. Phone lines are always open, 805-543-8830. 
or 800-549-5832. Do you have a prediction for the future? Or do you want to comment on anything that uh, Carl's been talking about? Either way works. We got a Scott in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Scott. Hello, Dave. Hello, uh, Carl. Hello, Tom. Carl. 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 Hello, Carl. Carl. Sorry. Hey, um, I just hopped in the car and heard you guys talking about this. Hey, Dave, do you remember the 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 Tom Solik ads for AT and T? They were called the "You Will" ads. No. In the in the '90s, where they um, predicted the future and saying "You will, you will see these things in the future." Uh, oh. What we have today, um, you can Google it. They're called AT and T "You Will" ads. Okay. And I remember seeing those in the '90s. You know, like payphone, and you you can you can talk to someone from the payphone, and you know, from from anywhere, or sending a fax on the beach. I mean, things that I thought then, oh, this is not going to be possible. And we've already outdone that. We've we've gone to a whole other uh, realm of technology. But anyways, they're interesting ads. So, Carl, uh, hang on a second, Carl. Do you know the ads? Uh, no, I don't. All right, you've stumped us, Scott. What else? Okay, um, when you talked about this James Dean thing, I, I'm yet to look that up. I, I believe it. Well, it's true. Um, it's true. It's happening. They, they, uh, yeah. they announced it last week. I just I can't remember the name of the movie. Their first choice was Elvis Presley, but his estate said no. Their second choice was James Dean, and his estate said yes. So he's in this movie. I imagine the work involved to do that would be expensive until they can get it, they can dial in where it could be perfection. Because, you know, animation movies like Pixar cost just as much movie uh, money than uh, a production. Uh, I'm trying to think of a film that cost $200 million, and I don't know where all the money went, but it was a Pixar movie that came out a couple of years ago. Um, the, the movie Tron Legacy did a really good job on uh, making Jeff Bridges a look-alike. I don't know if you saw that, but that yeah, was that was that type yeah. of technology. Yeah. And then there was uh, right. Bruce Willis in the movie Surrogate. Right. So where are you going, they, where, Scott? Where are you going with all this? I'm just hearing you guys because this is the future. Now, if yeah. it is the future, um, our actors going to get paid for doing nothing, uh, or are we going to just um, you know basically have um, patent rights? Where if right. I pass on, you know, you're going to use my, my face and my figure to play in future movies, uh, you're going to have to pay a royalty. Well, and, 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 and Scott, uh, excuse me, Carl, elaborate on this, please. I don't think you're suggesting that this is going to be the way of all movies in the future, but certainly it's going to be an option. I think it's, it's going, going to be, be an option. It's going to be something that, that the studios do to enhance movies with other people in them and to make, to make movies that they can make where they think they can make money. If you think Hollywood's about making money, it's all about making money. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you're using James Dean's image, James Dean's estate is getting money. Sure. So the, the, the actors who's, who are going to be used after they're gone, their families, their estates are going to make a lot of money. Elvis Presley makes more money now than he ever did when he was alive. So does Michael Jackson. Right. Their families make more money off of the estate and off of the residuals and the things that, that come in than those people ever made in their lifetimes. Uh, Craig, Craig found this movie. It's called Finding Jack. It's going to star James Dean in the secondary lead role. So, there we go. All right, Scott, thanks for the call. 805-543-8830-800-549-5832. Do you share Carl Beck's optimism for the future? 
Do you have any predictions for what the future might bring? Susan is uh, texting in on the Stolberg line. She wants to ask, Carl, what about books? Any future for printed books and bookstores and libraries? Uh, printed books are, are becoming a way of the past as far as, as major people uh, getting them printed. They are becoming more and more digital, although there are, are still enough older people who love to have a book in front of them. What is coming more in the way of printed books is personalized printed books. So my sister-in-law put together a book for uh, for my wife and then her sisters, and it was a family book with family photos and family history, and she was able to go online, put the whole thing together, and then order five or six copies and give them out as gifts. So it's a, it's a much better time if you're a writer that wants to make a book because you can now publish a book in paperback or you can have it printed in hardcover for yourself or you can put it onto uh, digital platforms with Kindle and Amazon. The technology has certainly made it easier for people to well, yeah. publish a book without the traditional publishing houses. Yeah. Mm. Vanity Publishing, um, back in the day, the first time I looked at it, uh, was a minimum of $5,000. Because this was back in the 70s. You had to order uh, at least, you know, uh, like 500 books at $10 a book before they would even publish it. So if you wanted to publish yourself in 1975, you had to order, you know, a lot of copies and spend $5,000. You can now put together a book and put it on an Internet site where they'll sell it for $10.99. They print the copy when somebody buys it and send it to them, so you could buy your copy for ten ninety nine. You could be out no money, and every time they sell a copy, you will make money. It makes so much more sense that way. Carl Beck is with us eight zero five five four three eight eight three zero eight hundred five four nine five eight three two. Either number brings you in the conversation as Carl predicts the future. His with another prediction, Carl. Well, um, let's talk about flying cars. They're on their way. Um, flying been cars. waiting for flying cars for, what, 50, 60 years. When I was a kid, they were predicting flying cars. And everybody, all the science flying. I mean, the Jetsons had flying cars, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're here. They're coming. Um, Hyundai has a flying car. I saw the prototype at CES. By the way, what gets me on this is I go to the Consumer Electronics Show every year in Las Vegas. However, this year I had to do it virtually. And it was kind of interesting. There were less participants, less companies in the virtual one than there were in the real ones because a lot of the companies didn't have the kind of material to put into a virtual thing like they do when they just set up a booth at one of these shows. But uh, I saw the Hyundai car there. And basically what they, they look like a drone but they have a passenger's compartment for uh, the one I saw. I had up to five passengers. And they fully expect to have flying taxis up in the air, prototyping them out by 2023. And by 2035, I would imagine that there will be quite a few up in the air. They'll be mostly autonomous, where you will get in it in the morning, uh, if you're, let's say you live in Malibu and you work in Hollywood, you get in your little autonomous uh, flying car and you say, uh, take me to work. And it just takes you to work and you're there in about 10 minutes instead of the two hours it would take you on the freeway. Holy cow. 
I mean, just stop, yeah. just stop and think about that. So what you're saying is that we don't need the bullet train. We can just wait. No. <laughs> no, we don't need the bullet train. Here's the thing. These things do 150 miles an hour. So let's say you wanted to go to Disneyland. Uh, you you order your flying car. It it comes to the nearest spot that it can land. You get in it. And in an hour and 12 minutes, you're at Disneyland. I'm just trying to picture what that would be like in the sky to look up and see all that traffic above you. I don't find that appealing, Carl. It's probably not. There will be there'll be traffic, there'll be highway lanes like in the sky because what'll happen is they use they're gonna use what's called swarm technology. So it will come up by itself but then it will come into a swarm and and it will go along with the swarm until it gets off to, to land. And there'll be lanes of traffic up in the sky above you. And it's the only way that the population of Los Angeles can expand to where it's predicted to expand by 2035. All right, let's take another call for Carl Beck. We have Grace up in Paso on KVEC. Hi, Grace. Hey, Dave. Hey, Grace. How are you doing? We're good. How are you, Grace? I'm good. Hey, um, I think that your guest is a little... I don't want to be rude, but... I think that he's talking about things for only the elite people, oh. people that that are going to be, that are ultra-rich. Ultra I don't think there's going to be any flying taxis. And also, who's going to insure, my insurance is going to say, even if they do insure flying cars, your insurance is going to be insane. She's got a point there, Carl. She's got a point. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm just saying. I don't want to be rude, but I think it's a little off. Pie in the sky. Okay. Well, no. first of all, um, a flying taxi isn't something you own. It's just something you fly in. Uber was looking to get these things uh, down to the, somewhere in about the 35 cents per mile, the 50 cents per mile. Uh, by the time they're they're fully operational, the fact of the matter is, well, is that. That as cars go autonomous, which they are going to go, uh, and but you're going to have to it, fight it, with the airline for lanes and no, I'm no, sure you're not going to be below to their level. Get in a car. No, you're below their level. You just don't cross their flight plans. It's very easy. Computers are are more than capable. Did you watch the uh, the Olympics where they had the the fifteen hundred drones up spelling out things with lights on them? Yeah, they were all computer generated. You saw, did yeah. you see that? Those were all drones. I did. 1,500 of them. They didn't crash into each other. They were able to be controlled by a computer and do all kinds of amazing things. These flying cars are basically drones. They will be, they will be manipulated around by a computer system, just like the one that did those 1,500 drones. Mm. And they will, they will be flying in the sky below the, the, where the airplanes are, and because they're in the sky and they're being controlled by the computer, they will not crash into each other. So the insurance is going to be very low. It's not going to be a matter of more insurance. It'll be more dangerous to be on a freeway than it will be up in one of those. Uh, I'm not ready for a flying car, Dave. I'm glad you called, Grace. Thank you. Craig, what's your observation about 1905? Yeah, 1905, 1903, when cars first came out. 
people thought that they would only be for the ultra rich. A normal person yeah. couldn't afford that. They could only afford a, a horse and a buggy. And the same thing with uh, flat screen TVs. I remember uh, in 1999, I went to New York and saw a TV, and I couldn't believe it was $2,000. Uh, HD TV was $2,000. And then I realized that sign said $20,000. Because I couldn't fathom that much for a TV, and now you can get it for five hundred bucks, yeah. twice twice the size at a fraction of the cost. But let me follow yeah, up on that, Carl. Everything starts at the high end and works down. Yeah, but Carl, what about a prediction for the future that says that the gap between the haves and the have-nots is just going to increase? The between the wealthy and the poor, the economic That's gap true. is going to increase. But what if I told you over fifty percent of American families? are, are going to make $1.2 million over their 40-year working career. That's based on the median wage. Median wages in the U.S. is 31000 If you work for 40 years, you make $1.2 million, which means that everybody made a million dollars. It's what did you do with your million? 805-543-8830-800-549-5832. Welcome your phone calls for Carl Beck as he predicts the future. Larry texts in on the Stolberg line. What do you do in the future when people live a lot longer? They're being replaced by robots. Where do we protect our la- our population from robotic labor? We don't. We change what kind of labor we do. So here's the here's the thing. You ever use a spreadsheet? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, back in the old days. Uh, it took rooms full of accountants to sit and, and put numbers into to, to little sheets of paper and then to add them up uh, and, and what have you. Now, you got Excel, you put your numbers in, and the sheet automatically does it, robotically. Did that get rid of all the accountants? No, it freed those accountants up to help people figure out how to use those numbers. Now, there were a lot of people replaced by the cotton gin. But then again, that created jobs in the weaving industry. Um, there were a lot of people. I mean, how many people are there out there who uh, can fix a wagon wheel or shoe a horse? But those jobs shifted to other things. Yeah. There's always a shift when technology comes. It creates something someplace else. It's not a vacuum where where you suck the jobs out of one, and then there's just no jobs around. The very first thing that Thomas Edison made money on was a repeater station for telegraphs that put something like uh, five to fifteen thousand telegraph operators out of work. But then again, it made it where people could send telegrams really cheap. All right, we're going to shift away and come back for a final segment with Carl Beck as we look into the future. I'm Dave Congleton on AM 920, FM 96.5, News Talk, KVEC. We're in our final segment with Carl Beck looking into the future. If you want to join us, we need your calls now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Do you have any predictions or how do you react to what Carl is saying? And Carl, pretty much everything you've outlined, you can go online and read about this. It's not like you're just kind of... Pulling this stuff out, it's been pretty well yeah, you established. Can, you, can, you can go find it. You know, to, to address that point about expensive and only for the top end, real quick, yeah. um, to give you an idea, in the year around 2000, I read an article where uh, Walmart 
had uh, put together a system for their ordering and what have you that had four terabytes of memory. Now, that was more than what the U.S. government had, and the system cost $150 million. But I was thinking in 2000, I had done the math on it, that in 1985, when I was a computer marketing manager, I used to sell a five-megabyte hard drive for over $3,000. So that's $2.5 billion for that same four terabytes that Walmart got in 2000 for $150 million. Oh, and by the way, you can buy a four-terabyte hard drive right now for under 100 bucks. Let's take another call. We've got Eric on KVEC. Hi, Eric. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. I just wanted to make kind of the same point. Years ago, I used to manage a, a bunch of ranches, and I went to one that the family had a big security issue, and it was kind of turned into a safe place for them in, I think, the 70s or late 60s, and they had a room full of the computers, you know, they had the, you see on TV with the spinning stuff from, like, you know, the old... Uh, uh, TV shows in like uh, the 60s and 70s. I mean, a whole room full of these things. I guess it was hundreds of thousands of dollars back then. And the guy I had managing that ranch, he had managed it for years, said, you know, your flip phone, because this is in 2008, is smarter than this whole room. That was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars back then. Well, Carl? You know. Yeah. Yeah, the first computer I looked at, I looked at one to do uh, psychological testing. I was thinking about setting up a business doing that. And uh, it was a mini mainframe, and it was, I think, $25,000. And uh, your, your, your flip phone, when we got to the flip phone, not the smartphone, but the flip phone had probably four times as much computing power as that. Yeah. And there was probably 20 of these that were five to six feet tall in this room, yeah. you know, and it was mostly yeah. security back then. It, and that round and maybe you had three to have air conditioning because they heated up, so you had to keep the, your air conditioning bill for that was uh, tremendous. <laughs> so, yeah, the prices come down for sure. Yeah, good to hear from you, yeah. Eric. Thank you. I got a couple minutes left. Uh, talk about AI, artificial intelligence. That, yeah, that's there's the a lot scary of one. That's the one yeah. that everybody's worried about. I mean, on the one hand, they're worried about it. On the other hand, they love it because Amazon says, if you like this, you're going to like that, and they're usually right. That's an artificial intelligence program that looks at your past purchases to predict what it believes you would like in a future purchase. So the marriage of artificial intelligence, which is computers, and robotics is really where the future is going. And that's the part that scares people. It's, it's the old uh, iRobot thing. As a matter of fact, the word robot was actually coined uh, in a uh, science uh, fiction novel back in uh, the 20s. And um, it was about the dystopian future where the robots had taken everybody's jobs. So it started right out as being a bad thing. But robotics itself could be as simple as a manufacturing arm that could be programmed to, uh, to put a screw in a hole. And while that did take a job away from some black guy that used to put a screw in the hole, it wasn't a job that was all that fulfilling. It may have paid okay, but it, it wasn't, you know, eventually get repetitive uh, work injuries and what have you. And he could go on to do other things. Uh, we all need to understand that, that the artificial intelligence that's being created is supposed to be there to help us. And for the most part, I think it will. It, it, it's going to help us to solve problems. Well, we I just went down and had my first vaccine today. Yeah. 
Part of the reason that they were able to create a vaccine so quickly, so many of them, is because artificial intelligence was able to crunch the numbers and look at the things and figure out. And it's partly because of that cheaper memory where they have large amounts of memory that can be used and it's high-speed memory and computers with bigger computing power and the artificial intelligence programs can now crunch numbers and crunch theories in minutes that would take human beings a century to do. And that's one of the reasons why they were able to create a vaccine as quickly as possible. Well, everything you've been saying, Carl, is impressive. But as we wrap things up, if I uh, live to be my father's age, if I get as many years as he did, basically half my life will have been before the personal computer. And I'm very grateful for that. I mean, I, I love my computers. I love all the stuff we've talked about. But I'm also glad that I was able to experience that simpler time. It was a simpler time. But compared to your father, who lived before the television and had all that time before the televisions, before the roadways were filled with automobiles to the point where they were in the uh, 60s and 50s, he had lived in a very... In a simpler time himself, yep. he saw your world as being highly complicated. That's right. He did. Yeah. We all do. It's, it's endemic. As, as, you know, when the, when, when the people in the 1500s and 1550 that were born, why the people who were born in 1500 thought that they had a, wow, look at this. You got a printing press. Oh, my gosh. We never had a printing press, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it's been going on. We had to we had to go out and write these things by hand. You young kids, you just put a little type in there. You can make a hundred copies. I walked, wow! I walked to school in the snow barefoot, uphill both ways. You kids got it spoiled. <laughs> Carl Beck, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Great discussion. Uh, yeah, you know one one thing real quick. Today's kids are going to have it bad. They're going to have to say, you know, I had to walk all the way from the bedroom to the living room to go to school. <laughs> All right, Carl. Take care. Off we go. News, traffic, weather. Here comes the 6 o'clock hour. I'm Dave Congleton. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.